You gotta love the fact that when Jesus was on his way back up to Galilee, going through Samaria, which is kind of like the, the part of town you don't go through, just to put it in our terms. It comes to be noon, and like you would, they stop at a well. I just, I hope we don't miss that part, because I think somehow it's important for us tonight to connect with the reality that this is God, man, that Jesus is God in human flesh, just like you and me. Granted, fully God and fully man, the miracle of the incarnation, chapter one, our summary word is word, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us, Jesus Christ, God, the creator, the originator of the universe, is now being born in a human form. And so, just like you, after a, a long walk from Judea on the way to Galilee, hot as you can imagine, if you've been in that part of the world, it's hot. It gets really hot there, piercingly so, and about noon, they all stopped at a well in the wrong part of town. Now, I'm just saying that for all the people who've been around church a lot. Everybody else is like, why was it the wrong part of town? Because the Jews and the people of Samaria didn't like each other. The Jews considered themselves to be the religiously pure line of Abraham. The Samaritans was just a mishmash of everybody else and totally you know, subjugated to the Jewish order of who's in with God. Samaritans weren't good enough. They weren't in the right lineage. They, they, they didn't measure up spiritually. And if you were a Jew, you wouldn't even go through there unless you had to go through there. And if you had to go through there, you totally ignore everybody else and look down your nose at them and make sure that they knew that they were a Samaritan and that you were a Jew and that you were better than them. And so here's Jesus at a well, 12 o'clock, and it says he's tired. Don't you love that? So if you've ever just thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this thing called a relationship with Christ, because I don't know if he can really understand my life. He can totally understand your life. When you sit down in the middle of whatever it is that you're doing, you go, I'm just tired. He's like, I know. I remember that time I was sitting down at Jacob's well. I was just like that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. You came in a human body. And so while he's there, his disciples cook up this plan, right? They're going to go into town to McDonald's and get lunch for everybody. And they're going to come back. So they leave him alone. And I, I like that. I mean, that's kind of a cool, I don't know how, if they drew straws or if he just said, I'm not going, or if he just told them to go. I don't know. I would like to know how that went down. You go to McDonald's. I'll stay here. Lady shows up, and Jesus starts a conversation with her. Now, some of you know this already, but I just have to put a parenthesis around it for those of you who don't know the context of this story. That is like a big-time no-no to do that. You're a man, she's a woman. In this culture, you don't do that. She's not your wife, you don't talk to her. She's a Samaritan, you're a Jew, you don't talk to her. It doesn't look good, it doesn't make you look good. It's bad for a hundred different reasons. You mind your business, she'll mind her business. You wait for the guys to get back, she'll draw her well and go back into town. That's just the way it goes down every day at Jacob's well. But I'm telling you, it's awesome to me in this story that when Jesus shows up, things go down different ways than they normally go down when he shows up. 
Therefore, if he's in your world, things can go down differently. If he's not in your world, expect the average and the normal and the ordinary. But if Christ is in your life, in your world, and in your circumstance, you can expect that things might go down differently than they would have otherwise. Chapter two's word was, thank you so much. The enthusiasm is too overpowering, but I'm gonna hold on uh, anyway. It's miracle. The wedding at Cana, they ran out of wine and Jesus pulls off like vintage stuff. It was, it, it was the best of the best at the last gasp. That's what he does. That's who he is. He doesn't go, oh, you're out of wine? Well, you know what? I've been here for a couple hours myself and I'm a little tired and so I can do some, uh, you know, how, how about some Capri Sun? I could maybe whip that out, you know, possibly. No, he just goes, here's like gonna be the best wine. This is gonna blow the party chief's brains out. And on this day, it didn't go down normal. And I, we're praying that on this night, it's not gonna go down normal either. Have you been to church a hundred times? Can I just see a show of hands? Oh, we're just praying it's not gonna go down normal. You're like, well, what do you think normal is? I don't know, but I'm hoping it's not gonna be normal. I'm hoping you're not just gonna stroll back to the car and put your Chris Tomlin CD back in and turn it back up and, or turn on the fish, same thing, and um, <laughs> just drive on out you know, where, where you came from. And say, so, where do y'all wanna eat? Well, I don't know, where do y'all wanna eat? Well, I don't know, where, I, I'm really, here's what we're praying for, is that there's just gonna be like a wreck of grace in this house tonight. Just a wreck of grace. Because, because this is not normal. Don't talk to that woman, don't talk to any Samaritan for that matter, not at high noon, not in the middle of the day. If you're gonna have a conversation, at least pull a Nicodemus who came in the, in the night, chapter three where the, the, the key word was life, at least do, do it under the cover of darkness. And so it's the middle of everything. And Jesus says to the woman, because um, she's got a bucket and there's a well, so it seems like a, a logical question. Um, could, could I get a drink? Innocent. Isn't that awesome? She could have said, uh-huh, and got him a drink. And then who knows what wouldn't have happened. But she realized this isn't normal. She got on the this isn't normal wavelength. She spoke into the this isn't normal wavelength. And she replied uh, with this reply when he says, can I get something to drink? She comes back um, in verse 9 and says, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. See, that's two strikes against me. You shouldn't be talking to me for either of those reasons. How can you ask me for a drink? And then put, puts in a little parentheses there so you get it. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus, all, I think, I, I don't know what he was doing. I, I, I can't get in his head because I'm telling you, you think he's going this way, he's gonna go that way. You think he's got that in mind, he's got that in mind. I don't really know how he thought this was gonna go down. Maybe he was just tired. Maybe he just asked for a drink. Maybe it was that innocent. And when she came back with, that's not normal and that's never happened before, what in the world are you doing talking to me because you can't talk to me because I'm a Samaritan woman. And then he said, okay, well, let's just go there then. 
But if you wanna go there, we're gonna go there right now. I'm not that tired. I came here for moments like this, and I'm tired, but I'm not too tired to get in a moment like I came for, and this is exactly why I'm on the planet, so I'm willing to go there if you're willing to go there, and then here it goes. This is where all the left turns start happening, and nothing is going to go normal from here to the end of this chapter. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, meaning himself, and he would have given you living water. Now these are the moments, and I'm not kidding you, if they could put that on DVD for real, I'd buy it, because you just wanna be there for that. If the lady's already like, why are you talking to me? And that's all she said, why are you talking to me? And what she gets back isn't, well, I'm talking to you because blah, 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 blah. She, she gets back, if you only knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would ask him, third person, and he, or whatever person that is, second person, third person, and he would give you living water. And she's like, I promise you. I mean, you, if you were there, you would be her too. She's like, And, and the way that scripture comes together, there's just about that much room between that and the next thing, but I, I'm not sure, so sure there could have been 15 minutes right there of just. <laughs> so she's going to roll with it. Verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And in case you haven't been here to Jacob's well before, since you're not from around here, this is a deep well. In other words, you're not jumping down there and like getting water and then jumping out with the water and you don't have a bucket and so I'm, I'm, I know how deep the well is. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. So where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and flocks and herds. Now, no one ever underlines that last verse, but that troubled me, that whole last thing about all the flocks and the herds drank out of it. I don't know what that all meant, but I'm like, okay, I'm not thirsty anymore. But um, that, so she's coming back. She asked this question, and I just love, he's kind of letting it open up on his own terms. He could have said, yeah, I'm greater than Jacob, absolutely greater than Jacob. I made the earth, by the way. Let me just get to the point. I made all this. I know how deep the well is, I made the well. <laughs> but he's, he's kind of letting the revelation fall open. So he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's like a bold statement. I'm glad I didn't make that statement tonight because that, I don't know if I could back that up, but he felt like he could back that up. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, let me just stop and take a little pause there, and then we'll jump back in to the narrative. So a couple of things are happening here, and I want to make sure we're not watching a story unfold tonight, because this isn't about her. This is about us tonight. And I want to make sure that we don't all go home talking about the woman at the well tonight, because God wants you to go home talking about you tonight. 
He wants us to walk away tonight, not going, man, that was so cool what happened to that lady and to that guy's son in John chapter four. That was really powerful stuff. No, God wants you to go home tonight going, I have been wrecked by Jesus. He has done something no one else could do in my life because just a little fast forward here, I am the woman at the well and so are you. We are the woman at this well. And what Jesus says to her is he says something that's pretty powerful. He says, if you only knew. Now, we like that phrase. We use that in conversation a lot. Well, if you only knew. Well, he's trumping all the if only you knows that have, that have ever been spoken. He said, woman, if you had any clue, if you only knew who it was who's asking you. If you know who was sitting here, and he tells her a little bit later, down in text, she says, you know, a little bit after all the other weirdness happened, she says, well, I've heard there's a Messiah coming. And he goes, yes, there is. He's kind of winding down his, you know, slow revelation, and he's at the end now. And he says, yes, there is a Messiah coming, and guess what? The guy talking to you is him. I am him. This is him. Messiah is here right at the well with you today. And so what he's trying to say to us is this. If you only knew who it was who rolled in and said, how you doing? Or how's your day going? Or how's that thing working out? Or what's happening over in that circumstance? If you only knew who was asking, you would turn the tables and say, would you give me living water? If you only knew And I think the reality is that most people don't really know who he is. And I'll tell you why I think that. Because most people never, ever ask. We're not talking now about water into wine, so let's get off that page, okay? We're not talking about uh, your car wouldn't start and you pray to Jesus and see if he'd help you get your car to start. We're not talking about you having a big test coming up and all of a sudden, you know, you had a big spiritual renewal about 3.30 in the morning and you ask Jesus to help you with that test the next day. I'm talking about in here stuff, under the layer stuff, under the hood stuff, you know, like where you peel one layer off and you're thinking, I think I got there and there's another layer and you peel that layer off and then there's another layer and 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 somewhere under there is something inside of you that is just not right and it can't be changed by any outward circumstance and Jesus is saying, hey, I can do the water and the wine thing. In fact, stay with me a little bit later. I'm gonna heal a guy's son at the end of this chapter I'm not even going to be there. I'm just going to say it's done and it'll be done. I can do that stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your heart right now. And if you just knew who I was, you'd ask me. You would ask me. And I'd get in your heart. And I would do something in there that can't be done any other way if you just ask me. It's amazing to me how many of us, and I I support everything you could possibly be led of God to do to help yourself in your life. I I, I would support that. Seeing a doctor, I would support that. I've done that. Um, Going to counseling, I I would support that. Going to a, a, a help group, I would support that. Going to AA, 
If that's the road you're on, I would support that. I, I'm not knocking any of that. I'm just saying that there are a lot of times where we go down road A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, but on none of the roads do we ever really stand right before Jesus and go, hey, the roads are great, but you are greater than Jacob and Jacob's well. The roads are fine, but you're greater than all of the roads and all the people on all the roads. You are Jesus Christ, son of the living God, so I'm coming to you. I am bypassing the the system. I might stay in the system because I need support. I need the encouragement. I need the accountability. I need the process. I'm not bailing on the process, but I'm coming eyeball to eyeball to you. And I'm saying, can you give me what I need? Because I got issues. And if you're who you say you are, and those words right there in red are true, then I'm asking you to give me living water in my heart. Well, the woman said, um, good answer, verse 15. Give me this water <laughs> so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, he, he could have done anything. He could have pulled a water bottle out from under his robe. He, he could have done anything at that moment. He, he, could have, he could have had Slurpees in his bag. He, he could have done anything and said, here you go. But he's trying to make a point, right? And his point is layers and what's underneath. That's his point. His point is going to be, no, lady, what I'm talking about is not this well and not your bucket and not water, not how deep it is. I'm talking about something else now, and let me help you move on. So she says, give it, give it to me, give it to me. Verse 16, here she goes. Get ready, everyone. Well, I will, but go get your husband and come back. I want to tell you something. We are skilled species. Because she, that fast, went, I don't have a husband. I mean, it wasn't even like, oh, my gosh, how did, why is he asking me about my husband? Has he known me? What, how did, did he see? What, how, yeah, yeah, uh, she just looked right at him. I'm, oh, I don't have a husband. Can I just go ahead and get the water? <laughs> <laughs> give it to me, man. I want it. That living water sounds great. Give it to me. Yeah, go get your husband. Come back, and I'll give it to you. It's going to become a you and him thing. It's going to be kind of like a couple's event. It'll be awesome. Go get your husband. You got a husband. I know. Go get your husband. Come back. Oh, I don't have a husband. Can I go ahead and get the water now? And here it comes. Are you ready? He said, yeah, that's right. Couldn't think of it. You don't have a husband. Now, you did have five husbands. It's Clarence, and that didn't work out. <laughs> it's Felipe, and he was bad news for you. Lonnie was a loser. <laughs> and there's Wilson, and well, I was kind of 50-50. Some, you know, you know, I mean, you were there. And there was Thaddeus, and that didn't last. And now you got Roger. So you were right on when you said you didn't have a husband. Please don't hate me for this. She, she thought she was going to pull, you know, women are smarter than men. That's a, that's a fact. That's not, I'm not making that up. No, don't clap for that. 
That's the only thing you're better than, a, than us is that you're smarter than us and you're clapping. I mean, what, what? I mean, can you break household things by trying to fix them? No, you can't do that. We can do that way better than you can do that. So she thinks in this moment, I got to go somewhere because I don't want to go down there. So I got to go somewhere from here. And she goes, wow, you, I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. She said, you are a smart guy. I have been struggling with this uh, theological question that I would like to ask about worship. Okay, we went from Clarence all the way, what was the last guy's name? Roger. To Roger. <laughs> we don't know the key word from chapter one, but we got Roger down. <laughs> we got that. <laughs> Too much bachelorette going on in here. We, we got them all. We know them all. And so she says, I, I have a question. Our father said you worshiped over in that mount. She points to Mount Gerizim. You guys, Jewish guys, say we worship in Jerusalem, and I've been thinking about this a lot. In fact, I, she probably, dramatic, uh, whatever I'm trying to say, dramatized it a little bit, built it up like, I've been really struggling with this. I've really been praying about this one. I've been fasting over this last one. This is a big one to me. I've been losing a little bit of sleep. Mount Gerizim, Jerusalem, this mountain, that mountain, our fathers, your fathers, where really is the place to worship? Thinking that, you know, the whole five husbands and the guy she's living with thing is just going to kind of go by the wayside. And that's an interesting reality for us because I, I, as a pastor, have a lot of conversations with people like that. Because people don't know where to go when you're a man of the cloth. They feel like they can't get anywhere in a hurry. They're like, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. You know, in the middle of it, they had just told you something that they wouldn't have told you earlier had they known you were a pastor. This happens regularly. They either use some language or an illustration or refer to some things that, you know, shouldn't be referred to, or tell you a story, and then like, yeah, yeah, so anyway, what is it that you do? And you're like, oh, no, this is going to be awful for you. I'm a pastor. <laughs> and unreal how fast people, you know, well, that's interesting that you're a pastor, because I've always had a question about the Bible. I'm like, no, I think your question is what you just told me right before I told you I was a pastor. I think that's what your issue is. But boy, they want to start talking about theological questions, dilemmas. I got one for you that nobody can solve. Well, congratulations. I'm sure God is going to be stumped out of his mind when you lay that one on him. Well, I'm not going to go there, and I'm not going to let God get down in my issues and my problems. I'm not going five marriages down to whatever it was underneath there that is broken inside of me and is not satisfied. I'm going to fly around up here and ask theological questions that people can't answer. Well, good. Congratulations. Jesus said, if you only knew who was talking you would ask him, and he would give you living water. I'm so glad the guy that was there the day the lady came was Jesus, and not the stereotypical Christian that a lot of the people in the world think we are. 
Because that lady would have gotten judged. She would have gotten condemned. She would have gotten a lecture. She would have had somebody staring down at her. Oh, yeah? Well, you got five husbands. Let's talk about that. What are you doing with five husbands? Who needs five husbands? I mean, you, you're pushing Elizabeth Taylor on us here. This is crazy and nutso. And you're living with a guy right now, and you know what that means, don't you? You got to get out of that house. You got to move out of there today. You want to talk to me, you're moving out. So you move out, you come back. You tell me you moved out. I might talk to you. I might not talk to you. You've been married five times. Five times you've been married. <laughs> or worse, the, the stereotypical Christian would have just said, believe who I met at the well today. I met a lady been married five times and was living with a guy who wasn't even his husband at the well. Really? Oh, that's terrible. That is awful. I cannot believe that. She probably watches Jersey Shore and has got Bravo <laughs> TV. TiVo. Was she in the real housewives of Samaria? I mean, what was wrong with her? Terrible. Awful. Ooh, I Then we get back in church. You are holy, holy, holy. I'm so glad that's not what she got. Jesus said a few verses before last week, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This means somebody's got to go in the wrong part of town. And somebody's got to sit down with the wrong person on the wrong moment. And somebody's got to look in the face of a person who's been through five of somethings and is on their sixth one of those right now. You're like, I'm glad I hadn't been married five times. I'm feeling a lot better about myself. Well, maybe for you it was five something else's, five jobs, five rehabs, five relationships, five times down that road, bought five of those, sold five of those, tried to earn five of those, got five of those diplomas framed on the wall, five of something that went down the road. And I am so glad that when Jesus saw that woman, he did not give her a righteous lecture, but he made her an unfathomable offer right out of the gate. And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water, not a well that you come to, but a well that comes to you, not something you draw from, but something that takes root inside your heart. I'd put the water inside you, so wherever you are, anytime, any day, any moment, anywhere you are on planet Earth, you'd have the well inside of you, and you could draw from me any place you are, any circumstance you find yourself, anytime that thing starts creeping back in and going, I got a need, I got a need, I got a need, you could say, and I got a well, 
You, you are a need, but I got a well, and I don't have to go anywhere to get to it. It's in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And I'm so glad that he just looked right in her face, and he knew I'm in a body because of her. I'm on planet Earth because of her. I know the world's broken. I already know people are getting divorced. I already know people are living with people. I know all that. That's why I'm here. I know people's lives are wrecked. I know people are in shambles. I know they're hurting, and I know they got stuff under the hood. That's why I'm here. So you're not going to get a lecture. You're going to get an offer, and it's grace, it's healing, it's mercy, it's change, it's a miracle, it's something inside of you. That's what I'm putting on the table. That's what I'm putting on the table. That's what I'm putting on the table. And we can talk about worship. If it was a different night, we'd have the whole worship thing. It was a great question. Where do we worship, there or there? He said, hey, listen, a time is coming and now is where the true worshipers are gonna worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then he just blows me away because he says, and these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Why? Because God is spirit. I'm telling you, that doesn't minimize that we need to be in, in the house of God. That's not, a, that's not a good answer for you, anybody who would say something like, hey, I don't need church. I can meet with God anywhere I am. Absolutely, you can. You got a well inside of you, but you can't get where God wants you to get to without living in the community of the house of God. You can't do that. Scripture tells you that. It's all together with all the saints that we comprehend how high and how wide and how long and how deep the love of God is. You do that in the company of faith and in the company of the church, but the house of worship, the place, what it's called, is irrelevant to God. What is relevant to God is whether your spirit is connecting to Christ and whether you mean what you're saying and doing as an offering of worship to him. He said a time is coming, and it's right now, actually, where the true worshipers are gonna worship the Father. He said, lady, look, you worship what you don't know. It's just all tradition and history. We worship what we do know, do know, because salvation comes from the Jews. You're just worshiping a family tradition. We're worshiping a living son of God. And that's what God is after. And that's the house that we wanna build right here in Passion City Church, a place where people come through the door going, I'm here to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the woman says at the end of that, verse 25, I know Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And that's what he's saying to us tonight. The one talking to you, I am Messiah. I am coming and I have come. In fact, I'm right here I'm in the building right now. What is under your hood and what's down through the five whatevers in your life? What in your heart needs to be touched? I'm here. Uh, verse 27, I love it. Just then, perfect timing, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked. <laughs> That's a probably a good idea. Um, why do you, uh, what do you want or why are you talking to her? And then leaving her water jar, check this out, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Great question. You see, now I, you're loving her because revelation's coming. It's dawning on her. Light's coming. And that's what's happening to some of us in the house tonight. I mean, it, it's not all the time like the first sentence you go, oh, I get it. Sometimes it's the second time and that third pass and that fourth thing Jesus says. And then it starts dawning on you, oh my goodness, Jesus really is the Savior 
of the whole world. That's how this shakes out. Could this be the Christ? So they came out of the town. They made their way towards him. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Let me just give us a little mini sermon in the, in, in the middle of the sermon because we don't have time for this tonight. But uh, these guys show up, right? Uh, they made it back um, uh, from McDonald's. And so they made it back and they're like, hey, what, hey, why is he talking to her? And hey, you've been out here, um, it, the six hours noon, it's hot, who knows what time it is right now, and you're still here. And so they, they're, they're ready, you know, they're, they're back and they're like, you know, we got you, you're normal, quarter pounder. And so they're like, you know, you need to eat, you need to eat. And Jesus, he's so focused right now. I love this. He, he, and I'll tell you why. Because he's so concerned about this woman. I don't want us to miss this tonight. He is so dialed into this person. He didn't go, oh, yeah, great, awesome, cool. Did you get it without onions? All right, thanks very much. I appreciate that. Anyway, God, that was weird what happened while y'all were gone. That was bizarre. Anyway, and he just jumps in. No, they, they put the stuff down, and they're like, hey, we got it. We got everything you wanted here. We got the jumbo size, whatever. Those will do you good. And um, you need a napkin? You know, would you care for a napkin? And, um, and, and he's like, he's looking at that, and he's like, you know he's hungry. He's tired. We already know that. And he's like, guys, come on. You are not going to believe this. Oh, and by the way, mini sermon inside the sermon, guys. I got, I got food you don't know about. And they're like, oh, here we go again. Get ready, everyone. I'm thinking we should probably put the food back in the bag right now. I wasn't hungry either, really. I was just bringing that for you. What is it now? He's like, I got food you don't know about. I, and he, I'll summarize for you. He says, I came here for a purpose. He said, guys, do you understand that there's this process going on around you right now? Some people have sown, other people reap. We are in the reaping moment right now. This is the time for the reaper to get his wages. He says, yeah, we didn't sow. We, we didn't sow into Jacob's well. We, we didn't dig the well. We, we, we weren't in the history of all the flocks and the herds. We weren't here when, when the, all of this thing came down, but we're here right now, and right now is a moment. This is a divine moment. Right now is a divine moment. A lady was just here, and well, you saw her. She's gone now. She left her jug here. You know why she left the jug? Because she's coming back. You know why she She's coming back because I just rocked her world with grace and kindness. We don't know all of what happened in between. We don't know the way he looked at her. We don't know the way he embraced her, valued her, treasured her, accepted her, forgave her, loved her with the way he dialogued with her. But I'm telling you something. You don't show up at a well and a guy tells you about all your former husbands. And then you go, you know what? I'm going to go get everybody else and come back and let you tell them everything else you know about me. No, you go, whoa, freak out. I'm out of here. I don't want any more of that. She left a well, went and got the whole town to come by. And I'll tell you why. It was because he did know everything about her, but it was because of him. And he said, she's on her way back and the whole town's coming with her. Guys, this is it. This is why we're here. Some sow, others reap. And today, brothers, we're reaping something we didn't sow. And we're going to be in the moment when Jesus does a miracle and changes a town by the power of God. I mean, and you're like, I, I understand the tension. You're like, 
I know, that's awesome, but can we eat? I mean, can we eat while they're coming back, you know? I mean, if they're coming back, we got the food, can we just go ahead and like eat it now? And what he was trying to say to you and me is, I don't care if you eat the food. Just please tell me that's not all you're gonna talk about. I don't care where you go eat. Just please tell me that's not gonna be the story of the night. And the story of the night wasn't, we're reaping. We're reaping. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not. But we're reaping in this building. And we don't know whose tears were sown. When I was six years old, my grandmother lived about 400 yards over there. I'd come to her apartment all the time. It was a grocery store. And we would walk there and get groceries in a buggy and bring them back to her apartment. I have that in my mind. I have history in my mind. And who knows what pastor on that street or up that street or over in that neighborhood or over on that block prayed for this neighborhood, begged God for this spot of earth, shed tears for this place. Who knows who came before us 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago and they prayed right on this spot of earth. I'm telling you, we didn't do all the work here, people. We just in the reaping moment and praise God for it that God has been doing the work and now it's time for us to do the reaping and to come into the moment in confidence and in humility to say, we're not getting all the credit because we didn't do all the work and we're confident God's already been here before we got here, and Jesus is just saying, guys, you need to keep that in mind. We are here on a mission. Food's fine. The meal's fine. The quarter pounder's fine. That's all good. That's all fine and dandy, but we are here for a purpose, man. And any minute now, that lady's coming back over that hill, and I got a feeling the whole town's going to be behind her, and this is what it's all about. Oh, I love that. That was the mini sermon inside. The sermon is oh, awesome. So just check out the last part, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. See, I just want another little bit of a small encouragement. It just says many of them, not all of them. You might not get the whole office. And don't be discouraged. Jesus himself didn't get the whole town. You might not get your whole third period class. Don't, don't be discouraged. You just tell them what Jesus is doing in your heart. That's our role. And if a couple of them are like, I, I don't care what he told you. I don't care what he told you or who he is. Okay. That happened to him. I, I, I'm shocked, verse 39 doesn't say, and every single solitary soul in that town got out there and gave their heart to Christ. But it doesn't say that. She said, he told me everything I ever did must have been something special about Jesus that you'd be bragging on somebody that told you about all the wrong you'd done in your life. Must have been something so magnetic about his heart. For her sake, he told me everything I've ever done. Come on, that's gonna be awesome. He'll tell you everything you've ever done. Okay, that sounds good. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. He went in a hurry to get out of there. He said, yeah, I'll stay right here. 
And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, what you want to have people say to you. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. That's the ultimate she said, he said. And that's the beauty. The world is waiting. Um, not for a lecture, by the way. Oh, oh Louie, are you going to go soft on having five husbands on us? Yeah, that's right. We, we love that. That's a good plan. You should have five husbands and live with someone. No. Of course not. That's not good for anyone. Jesus is not condoning the lady's behavior. He's offering her a solution to the cause of her behavior, which is a heart that's dying of thirst for approval, for acceptance, for companionship, for a friend, for somebody to trust in, for a father she never had. I don't know what's going on in her heart. I just know there's something broken in there. And until it got fixed, people were gonna keep falling by the wayside. And Jesus steps in. And our mission is simple. It's just to say to him, I know who you are. And I want you to come and give me what no boy, girl, money, drug, job, accomplishment, recognition, rush, can give me. Because all that stuff's just going to keep going by the wayside. And I'm going to die with a thirsty heart in the presence of living water. What a shame. When that happens, he starts coming under the layers and he starts embracing and excavating and touching and healing and repairing and forgiving it's in that moment for the first time that real worship will happen. <laughs> it's in that moment that you will go, oh, you gotta come see this guy. He is amazing. And that's the worship that God is looking for because in that worship, we get healed and he gets lifted. We get healed, and he gets lifted.